we've just started a food podcast in the I corner basically over just here. said, you guys like animals, <laughs> don't you? And then you... That's it. We're off. <laughs> Me off and Els. No! No! Hello, and welcome to What A Way To Go. This is a podcast about unusual deaths, near misses, and bizarre stories. We are your professional hosts. We're not very professional. I'm Claire Daly. Elsa's got a mouthful of beer. Sorry, <laughs> we're very professional, you know it. I'm Ellen the Gamer. And I'm Sarah Austin. And this is episode 31. Welcome. We're delighted to have you here. Thanks very much for joining us. How's everyone doing? Whilst we've got you here, Ooh, yeah. listeners, we've got a bit of an ask. Oh, straight in there. Yeah, because I just want to get right in. Get to the point. Um, the British Podcast Awards have got a award, which is... Would help if I knew what this was. It was like, you're, you're the fan's favourite podcast, blah, 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 blah. Listener's blah. Choice, isn't it called? Listener's Choice. Thanks, Els. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Um, <clears throat> and it would be amazing if you like this podcast, hopefully you do after 31 episodes, um, if you could vote for us, you just need to, I'll give you the URL in a minute, but you just need to search for us as a podcast, what a way to go, and we come up automatically because they've got all the podcasts in there. So if you go to britishpodcastawards.com slash vote, you can vote for us. You don't have to sign up for the newsletter, but vote for us, tell your friends, tell everyone you know, um, and maybe we could get some recognition for the wonderful things that we bring you in your ears i don't know but we thanks. bring you so much in your ears won't mm. you be grateful we're yeah. always in your ears um be grateful for once could you just re- repetate see if you play the url um www.britishpodcastawards.com slash vote forward slash vote Thank you and then just much. search for us what a way to go oh sorry about oh. that cheers ding and that ends self-promotion corner Sort of reminds me of when I used to every weekend phone up to the Mr. Blobby competition on Live and Kicking. <laughs> that is Why were so you cute. so obsessed with Mr. Blobby? What, was, bl- what was the Blobby competition? Can't even remember. I wasn't obsessed with Mr. Blobby. I watched Live and Kicking, and every weekend I used to phone up for the competition. I don't even know what that was for, but I'm sure Mr. Blobby was a part of it. He probably was. He was a big guy. Well, literally, and also at the time, he was very popular. Wasn't it? Mm. People love Blobby. He famously knocked Take That off the Christmas number one spot in the year that they should have been at number one with Babe. They deserved it. They deserved being knocked off? Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> I wasn't a fan of Taylor. So Howard Donald is doing... Oh, so Howard Donald's turned into Jeremy Clarkson now. He's the least charismatic member of Take That, and that is hard. <laughs> <laughs> that is hard to achieve if you're not Robbie Williams. Is now presenting. Do you know this? Is presenting no. a like a some kind of a car show. Cool. What? Aww. Imagine if you thought that sounded interesting. Yeah, it's like, oh, the concept's so boring. I've entirely forgotten. It's something about fixing up a an old sports car, and then the team that fixes it up gets to keep it. Is it's it something it's like, like that? Robot Wars, but cars. It's like Pin My Ride, isn't it? I fucking wish. God, that was a good show. Pit My Ride was like, was the best. Hates the thought of how, what's his name? Howard Orange? What's his name? Howard Donald. Howard Donald. Jason Orange. Doing up a old sports okay. car. Loves Pit My Ride. <laughs> yeah, Pit My Ride is fucking great. <laughs> Are we talking, was it Pit My Ride, an American and UK? And yeah. Tim Westwood. With Tim Westwood. They would put like a jacuzzi in the back of a panda. <laughs> It was genius. <laughs> what were they doing? I've and never then, seen like, Daily this animated famously, about anything. Famously, no one could insure their cars after, <laughs> after being pimped. 
That was, yeah. So you've got flamethrowers attached to your Nissan Micra. But you can't drive We're it. not going to be able... We're not going to be able to insure yeah, you. Yeah, can't, can't do anything about that, unfortunately. <laughs> it's like you're in Mad Max. We're not insuring this. All right. Fair enough. Makes a lot of sense. I fucking love to pick my ride. I used to catch it occasionally at my dad's here at MTV. My mum didn't did not partake in Sky. <sighs> she was terrestrial only. Mm. Old school. Hated Rupert Murdoch, don't we all? Yeah, hated the concept of watching too much TV, I think. I was right. that. She was fine, right. Mm-hmm. Fine, fine, fine. Went digital, obviously, when we all did. <laughs> she had to. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's got no choice. choice. TV or no TV. Feels like that was so. taken away from your own personal decision. Yeah, we all went digital. Should we tell some stories? Yeah, why not? Whose go is it? Is it your go, Els? Uh, apparently, yeah, 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 yeah. Els, why don't you go first, listen? Okay. This time then. So, Mary Curie. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's she up to? Well, she's dead. She's dead. Yep. We all know what she's famous for. Daffodils. Rad- radiation. Radium. Radium. Yeah. Daffodils, now, fine. Don't know what that connection is, actually. No. Don't was she Welsh? Don't think so. She was Polish. Oh, well. Was she? I didn't know that. <laughs> is that you or me? I think that's both of us. They're warring with each other this time around. This time it's personal. Yeah. Sorry, Carol. Um, so, she discovered radium, as she called it, my beautiful radium. Oh, dear. Um, which is what she called radium, the element, when she discovered it in 1898. Ooh. Long time ago. And alongside her husband, Pierre Curie, French. Uh-huh. <laughs> oui. Uh, <laughs> oui. They were awarded a Nobel Prize in 1903 for their work in discovering the tumour-shrinking ability of the luminous element. So, fast forward 20 years later, and the US have just joined World War One. Uh-oh, I think I see where this is going. Or do I? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. So, many men were involved in the fighting. No women allowed. I don't know if that's true, actually. Maybe some women were involved. Seems no, right. Not First World War. Not in the World War One. Mostly men. I don't even think in World War Two because everywhere, all the women joined the... War effort. The war effort, not the actual war. Making the bombs. Don't quote me on that. I'm not an expert on war. Yeah, we are. It's the, it's the truth. It's definitely it's men. Fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, yeah, 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 shut up, yeah. <laughs> uh, so obviously, men are off fighting, the women are keen to help the war effort in World War One as well. So many working class women joined the United States Radium Corporation in Orange, New Jersey. Hmm. Uh, and I'm worried for them. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> <laughs> so their main job was to paint watches and dials. No. That's what it started as. And then as paint the, them. Paint them, paint on the dials onto the watches and clocks or whatever. Um, and as the war grew, got bigger, you know, uh, they these watches and dials were predominantly used for military use. At the time... Radium was the most expensive substance on Earth. Gram for gram, it was the most expensive substance on Earth. What is it now, that weird addition to food? Saffron. Saffron. Yeah. Ooh. Great. Wait, great that's, that's, that sounds right. Or it's, I no, know it is that, saffron, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's definitely my, more valuable than gold. My brother bought me some back from India, and I'm pretty sure at one point it just like, fell out of my cupboard and went everywhere, and I was like, fuck. So I'm grateful. Jesus. I know, wow. 
I don't think he smuggled that back into this country. Yeah. No, I think it was all legit. It's all above board. <laughs> um, <laughs> ben starts a saffron trade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On himself. Underground. Um, and at the time, dowel painting was seen as the elite job for poor working girls because it paid three times more than the average factory job. Your life expectancy goes down. But they, down they didn't know, right? 80%. So... Part of the allure of this job was that luminosity, the luminosity of the radium. So everything that radium touched glowed. So the girls' clothes began to glow. Some would wear their evening dresses to work so that their um, clothes would glow if they were on a if they were on a date later. Oh God! Um, or they were going to a dance hall. I mean, it does sound fabulous, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, Let's be honest. If you didn't know the terrible, terrible harm of yeah. it, which they didn't, fine. Give me a bright. Luminous dress. I mean, we all had the stars on our ceiling, those yeah, green true. ones. Apparently, one woman put radium on her teeth to make them glow. Uh, and the girls became known as the ghost girls due to their luminous glow at the end of the day. So, literally everything about them was glowing. Imagine going to sleep next to one of them. It would be awful. <laughs> one it was of them. so annoying. Sorry, that was so callous. <laughs> one of the girls. But, like, it would be so bright. You wouldn't be able to sleep. You'd have to get a little eye mask, wouldn't you? Yeah, you definitely have to get an eye mask. It's like if my clock's glowing. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not interested. Yeah, go away. Um, so, the girls had been taught that they needed to make the handiwork neat because they were obviously painting on dials. Very precise work. So, in order to make it as neat as possible, they were taught to... Dab their brush between their lips <sighs> so that they could make a fine point with the brush. And so they did have some questions about whether the element was harmful. Uh, and they'd been told by the manager at this particular place, Mr. Savoy, that it couldn't harm them and they didn't need to be afraid. However, there was some question about how harmful radium was. And at some other companies, the men would wear lead aprons and ivory tip tongs Fucking hell. to handle radium. And they already knew that radium was known to cause some harm ever since it had been discovered by Marie Curie in the late 1800s. So it was like 20 years prior. Yeah. She'd suffered radium burns and some people had already died from exposure to radium, from radium poisoning. Jesus. But at the time, people thought that a small amount of exposure to radium wasn't harmful and actually was beneficial to them. So you could get cosmetics laced with it. You could get toothpaste laced with it. You could drink water that had radium in it. It was seen as a tonic. Jesus. People thought it was okay. Um, Some people reported that it would add a year to your lives. (laughs) And the girls were told at the factory, that radium would put roses in their cheeks. Oh, Evie. Not quite. After a few years of working, so they started sort of the late 1900s, some of the girls started to become quite sick. Some of them suffered from extreme exhaustion. Some of them gave birth to stillborn babies. There was one woman called Molly Magia, and she went to see her dentist because she was suffering from extreme toothache. Uh, the dentist took her tooth out and in its place grew 
like severe ulcers. So every tooth that came out, ulcers would replace the teeth. Um, Sometime later, she went back to her dentist and when he prodded at her jawbone, it just crumbled. (gasps) That's disgusting. Away. And he said that he was able to remove her jaw by just lifting it away. That's awful. Sure, and surely that will be like a concentrate. If they're put, if they're being told to put the paintbrushes in their mouth to direct, make, yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, it's hideous. And then she was the first of many other girls who followed her with similar symptoms. With Molly by. 1922, so some years after she'd been working at the factory, the infection had spread to the tissues of her of her um, throat. It spread across her jugular, and that caused it to hemorrhage so fast that a nurse couldn't stop it, and she died. And she was only 24 years old. Oh man, that's awful. But the doctors didn't know what had happened. They didn't understand what the cause of the death was. So they ruled that her death was by syphilis. That was a that was a big one for a lot of people back then, though, to be it fair. It was kicking about, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, so she died from that. A lot of other girls died in similar ways. But the United States Radium Corporation, they denied any responsibility for the deaths. Because the symptoms had been quite varied. Like, not all girls had had that and some were ill but they weren't necessarily dying from it they they couldn't link it to one source and because the recordings of death had been quite vast some had said that it was because of tb others had said syphilis Mm. there were other reasons um and also at the time radium poisoning was not officially a compensable a compensable disease so the first case that was bought against the company, which in 1925 was lost, because they just didn't... There, there wasn't anything set up for didn't it. Know what yeah. It, yeah, and they could just sort of get away with it. And also, these girls were so ill, they were spending so much on money, money on medical bills, they didn't have any money for lawyers, so the company was kind of getting away with not, with not having to be accountable for it. The company, the USRC, they then commissioned an independent researcher to investigate the apparent link between radium and what was happening to the girls. And the president of the company was outraged when the link was confirmed by this independent researcher uh, that potentially the radium was the reason for their for their deaths. But they didn't accept the findings. Instead, they just paid for new studies that would publish an opposite conclusion uh, and they tried to claim that tried to claim that the women were palming off their illnesses on to the firm and didn't want to know when they were trying to get financial help for all their medical bills so the women had to fight against the belief that radium was safe and it was only when a male employee from the radium firm died that experts took up the charge oh fuck off so before that it was just dismissed. It's like the whole hysteria thing from episode one, where it's like, if it's a woman, it doesn't really matter that much, but until it's a person of interest, i.e. a man, or someone in a bigger social standing, that they take, a, take notice take of it, it seriously. and do, yeah, do anything about it. Yeah, and they've been given all the protective gear, but still... Died. Yeah. Um. So in 1925, a doctor who was called Harrison Martlin proved that radium that it was radium that had poisoned women. Um, So he discovered that when radium was used 
internally, even in very small amounts, the damage was thousands of times greater than when applied externally mm. to the body. Um, so ingested radium had sub- subsequently settled in the women's bodies and was now emitting constant destructive Ugh. radium that honeycombed their bones. So it was boring holes into them whilst they were alive. Um, and it attacked women all over their bodies. So some women had their spine crushed. Some people had their jaws eaten away. Some people had their legs shortened or spontaneously fractured. It was just causing havoc. In A these, real in horror bodies. show. A real horror, A show. horror show. Were they in pain? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole idea of being able to take someone's jaw off just by pulling it rather yeah. than it being like... I can't imagine that that was a painless thing mm. to happen, but the yeah. ease of it sounds mind-blowing. Yeah, but the aftermath must have been incredibly painful. Yeah. Um, so a woman by the name of Grace Fryer, and she was one of the women who had um, her spine sort of crushed, like basically in a way by the radium. In 1927, she employed a young lawyer who was named Raymond Berry to take the case. And many of the women, including Grace, they only had months to live at this point. So the company was sort of dragging out legal proceedings. Um, and in the end, Grace and some of the other women that she'd worked with were just forced to settle out of course. But they did raise the cause for what had happened. Mm. And finally, a woman named Catherine Donoghue, who was also a woman who had worked at the at the factory one justice when her lawyer Leonard Grossman worked pro bono on the case and she had actually developed a grapefruit sized tumour on her hip and she had lost all her teeth from the radium poisoning but the fate of her friends gave her a sort of steely determination to just carry on and see this through and the case went to court in 1938 so some time later um, and she gave evidence from her deathbed which was against her doctor's advice and she did finally win justice for herself and for the girls before her. So the cases of the radium girls led to sort of changes to health and safety, essentially. Um, it was one of the first cases in which the employer was responsible for the health of company employees. Oh, and what a case to be the first one. Yeah, yeah Good God. I know, Jesus. Um, and the establishment of the uh, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration in the US, and so not something that we necessarily know about, um, was established because of it and now operates nationally in the US. Um, and before that was set up, 14,000 people died on the job every year. Holy Jesus. shit, 14,000? Yeah. And now it's 4,500, which is still quite big, but I mean... It's an improvement. Definitely. Um, but their story's quite often forgotten. You don't really hear a lot about their about their names. Um, and uh, they were quite seminal in changing the law around companies being responsible for the literal lives and deaths of their employees. So, yeah, they are the ghost girls. Yeah. It's kind of mind-blowing to me to think that there were companies, and there still are companies, that think that the, like, 
the people that work for them or the the people that are affected by certain regulations and stuff are just like collateral damage mm. so like mm. even with like big pharma that we've got now where people can't the people depend on certain medications and they can't afford them and the company won't do it because it's too cost prohibitive to do it it's like someone's at the end of the day is dying and even if it's only one person that person should matter and even yeah. like the whole I know this is a, a random tangent but like the Erin Brockovich thing where the big oil or gas company whichever it was you know it was um, electronic it was like oh anyway I've Aaron never Bro- seen Erin Brockovich everyone everyone's seen Erin Brockovich I, I was just about to say Anyway, it was about like water stuff, bad stuff in the water that was affecting certain towns. And you would just think as a big company, regardless of whether it was two people or 200 people, you should care about what happens. Mm. It's just it blows my mind that that still that happened and that it still happens. Even if even if it is a smaller degree, it still happens. Yeah, yeah. People just don't don't think about people at a personal level always. It's really sad. Good story though. Yeah, it's a good story. That's quite a bummer story. You just think like, I don't know, things like radium or discoveries like that kind of blow my mind a little bit because, yeah, when it was first discovered, how were you to know how fucking poisonous it was? Yeah, you wouldn't. You just dug up. Well, I don't know about how they discovered it, but like, so you dig it up out of somewhere. Is that how it, ha- is that yeah, how it happens? There's radium in Australia, right? I don't actually know how it I don't, I don't. I, yeah, I didn't really look into what actually happened with... I looked a little bit into Marie Curie, but I didn't actually look at how she discovered it. There's, like, there's so much that you, you can't tell from like a lump of radium or anything that's radioactive. You can't see it or smell it or taste it or hear it or touch it and all the other senses. How many have I done? Anyway... You just don't know, and it just is nuts to me that it could be making you so sick. Mm. There's, um, I've probably gone on about this to you before, and certainly anyone that's been friends with me for any length of time is about a documentary called Into Eternity, which is about a Finnish nuclear power station waste disposal site. So obviously you've got radioactive nuclear waste and basically they have, it's called, it's called Onkolo or Onkolau in Finland. And basically they just have um, dug down and down and down and down and down and their plan is just to bury it. But nuclear waste stays radioactive for 100,000 years. So basically this facility that they're building has to last longer than anything that's ever been built by humans to stay safe. Absolutely fucking fascinating. Watch it anyway. Watch Into Eternity. Is it on Netflix? I don't think it is. No, I saw it at the Institute of Contemporary Arts. No big deal. <laughs> but one of the fascinating things is like, because obviously if you come across something radioactive, unless, you know, unless you're in Chernobyl or like um, Fukushima or something, you don't know that it's radioactive. Mm. So one of this, one of the whole like... Um, Oh, not, it's not even philosophical, just like a practical question that these people have to answer is like, okay, so how do you warn humans about this radioactive site in 100,000 years when language is irrelevant? Language will be irrelevant in 10,000 years. So how do you make it last? What do you put on the site to make sure people don't start fucking digging it up? And it's oh, shit, absolutely yeah. fascinating. Like, it's really it's such a good documentary, but like radioactive stuff is particularly intriguing and fascinating for that because it's so poisonous and you have absolutely no idea Mm. I find it very 
that I can't conceptually even, fascinating. Yeah, that even just what you just said blows my mind a little mm. bit. I can't even think about mm-hmm. how to comprehend it. Watch it into eternity. It's really good. I wonder what happened to the people that were drinking like radium laced water because they thought it was a tonic. Well, they're probably all fucking dead, aren't they? Probably, yeah. <laughs> probably they might have dead. died quicker. I guess if it goes directly into your organs quicker, maybe it kills you quicker. Maybe. Christ. Anyway, I'm going to lighten the mood of a sad story about death. You ready for this? So ready. I'm. My, this story is kind of the sort of style of my favourite, which is a bit of history, a bit of gore. <laughs> Are you going to say something then? No. Um, but I'm not going to tell you what the weird way to die is until we get into the story. So I'm just going to tell you the story. I'm so intrigued. So, William... I have to say, I'm really relieved that neither of you have got the story that I've got because I was really sure one of you was going to have it. So it's worked out fine. Anyway, carry on, please. (laughs) William Kelmner was born in Philadelphia. Both of his parents were immigrants from Germany and both were alcoholics. After dropping out of school at age 10, having learned neither how to read or write, nor write, whichever you think is correct, Kemmler worked in his father's butcher shop. His father died from an infection that he received after a drunken brawl, alcoholic, and his mother from complications of alcoholism, alcoholic. Kemmler was reportedly slender, with dark brown hair, and he spoke both English and German. After his parents died, he went into the peddling business. Apparently, he was a vegetable peddler. That was mm. quite specific. Um, and during his time peddling vegetables, he earned enough money to buy a horse and cart. Just to say, he's really he's really kicked back against the family trade of butchery there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Also, you know peddling lies? Is mm. that from people that would peddle, like, newspapers? Like, shit, newspapers. Sounds about right. Potentially, yeah. So, mm. Potentially. So, like, the Daily Mail's nothing new? No, just that rhetoric is. Maybe. Well, no, it isn't. Straight Racism isn't new. 1939. Humans never learn. True. Um. So, yeah, he earned enough money peddling veg to buy a horse and cart. But during this period, he also became a heavy drinker. I mean, I'm sure that was, like, prolific. I'm sure lots of people were just fucked what, on. What time frame is this, please? This was... We'll come on to this. Oh, okay. I, d- I thought that you hadn't said it for a reason. Can I just say that noise that might have sounded a bit like a fart What's was fart? my engagement ring on my um, chair material. Okay. Aww. I'm not flatulent. Okay, that's good for the listeners to know. Just cleaning your engagement ring. Just putting it out there. Fine. In one episode involving him and his friends after a series of drunken binges, he said he could jump his horse and cart over an eight-foot fence with the cart attached to the horse. No, you can't, mate. And for, well, unfortunately and unsurprisingly, the attempt was a failure and his cart and goods were destroyed in the incident. Oh. So that sets up who he was and his character. How was the horse, though? Chancer. Chancer. Total I want to know how that fucking horse was. I don't think it ended well, Daily. I'm sorry. On March 29, 1888, he was recovering from a drinking binge the night before when he became enraged with his girlfriend. Sometimes she's referred to as his common-law wife, um, but girlfriend will suffice. Living lover. Yeah. Um, And her name was Tilly Ziegler. He accused her of stealing from him and preparing to run away with a friend of his. When the argument reached a peak, Kemmler calmly went to the barn, grabbed a hatchet and returned to the house. 
He struck Tilly repeatedly, killing her. No. He then went to a neighbour's house and announced that he had just murdered his girlfriend. Oh, God. We're not a murder podcast. No, where is this going? Fuck. Um... Kemmler's resulting murder trial proceeded quickly and he was convicted of first-degree murder on May 10th. Three days later, he was sentenced to death, destined to be the first person executed in an electric chair. Oh, oh my God. Under New York's new execution law, replacing hanging. Oh, Christ. Fuck, this is, all of this is so grim, but <laughs> I understand where, you've, where you're coming from. And did that go well? Well... No. No. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, no. On January the 1st, 1888, New York had instituted death by electrocution, which was the first such law of its kind. Holy shit. Now, is death by electrocution more humane than death by hanging? Surely not. I think it's I think it's now like considered on par, but because it was new and considered a quicker way to die they thought it was better also don't forget that electricity was only invented in the late 1800s anyway wasn't it so it was like a new sexy thing mm. so I think that's probably why it was I mean you know butchering people is not a humane way to die anyway no but I mean arguably death penalty is not the right thing that we should do as any society yeah but I mean, I'm sure we've got, we'll have time to go into these rants, but the death penalty is the most fucking archaic, barbaric thing. Yeah. It's not the most barbaric thing I can think of, but like, it boggles my mind that it exists anywhere on the planet, let alone in the fucking United States. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'll stop ranting. And the United States isn't even the worst place for death penalty. No, 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 but like, look how developed the United States is. I mean, yeah. Look Western what Brunei's just brought in. Well, it's just horrific. Yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, the device, the electric chair, was invented in 1881. It was invented by Alfred Alfred Southwick, who was a dentist from Buffalo, New York, which makes me feel a bit sick, the <laughs> idea that a dentist is coming up with how to electrocute people that are in his chair. It's like looking, checking out some teeth and was like, do you know what made this more interesting? <laughs> Electrocution. Yeah, fucking hell. Um, it was in development and legislation for seven years before it was considered ready for use. A chair was ready at Auburn State Prison, even though the leading developers of electrical power at the time, George Westington House, did not want to see their new product used in this manner. So they were the people that peddled not the right word but they were the people that supplied the um electric but they didn't want their electric to be used in an electric chair mm. that's the point of that point um after Kemmler's conviction it was determined that his sentence was to be carried out at new york auburn's prison with the new electric chair being his mode of death um Kemmler's lawyers appealed arguing it violated the eighth amendment and that the electrocution was cruel was a cruel and unusual punishment but it went ahead as planned on the morning of his execution, August 6th, 1890, Kemmler was woken up at 5am. He dressed quickly and put on a suit, necktie and white shirt. After breakfast and some prayer, the top of his head was shaved. At 6.38, he entered the execution room and Warden Charles Durston presented him to the 17 witnesses in attendance. Kemmler looked at the chair and said, Gentlemen, I wish you all good luck. I believe I am going to a good place and I am ready to go. 
Witnesses remarked that Kemmler was composed at his execution. He did not scream, cry or resist in any way. He sat down on the chair, but was ordered to get up by the warden so a hole could be cut in his suit through which a second electoral, <sighs> electrical lead could be attached. When I was researching this earlier, it's like, of course, of course the first time you ever do something for real, yeah, there's going to be problems yeah, and you have to do stuff. Um, they cut the hole in his suit and he sat down again. He was strapped to the chair, his face was covered and the metal restraint put on his bare head. He is reported as saying, take it easy and do it properly. I'm in no hurry. Durston replied, goodbye, William, and ordered the switch thrown. The generator was charged with a thousand volts, which was, which was assumed to be adequate to induce quick unconsciousness and cardiac arrest. The chair had already been thoroughly tested. A horse no, had been successfully elocuted not a, not a horse. the day before. A big fucking horse was electrocuted, electrocuted the day before in that same chair. Let's not get into that because I think I'll start crying. Um, the current was passed through Kemmler for 17 seconds. The power was turned off and Kemmler was declared dead by Edward Charles Spitzker. However, <sighs> witnesses noticed Kemmler was still breathing. <sighs> The attending physicians Spitzker and Carlos Frederick MacDonald came forward to examine Kemmler. After confirming he was still alive, Spitzker reportedly called out, have the current turned on again, quick, Ugh. no delay. In the second attempt, he was shocked with 2,000 volts. Blood vessels under the skin ruptured and bled and Ugh. some witness erosen erroneously claimed his body caught fire. Oh my God. The New York Times reported that the New York Times reported instead that an awful odour began to permeate the death chamber and then, as though to cap the climax of this fearful sight, it was seen that the hair under and around the electrode on the head and flesh at the base of the spine was singeing. The stench was unbearable. Ugh. Witnesses reported the smell of burning flesh and several nauseated spectators unsuccessfully tried to leave the room. In all, the entire execution took approximately eight minutes. Um, the competitive newspaper reporters covering the execution jumped on the abnormalities as each newspaper source tried to outdo each other with the sensational headlines and reports. A reporter who witnessed it also said it was an awful spectacle, far worse than hanging. Westinghouse later commented they would have done better using an axe. Oh. And yet it Jesus. was still used for at least 100 years after that. But he, William Kelmner, was the first person ever to be killed by an electric chair. By the electric chair. It still exists in some states, right? Or is it I, all I lethal like injection it, I now? I feel like it does, but I don't know. It's only like six or seven states that still have it, right? Probably about to be more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate. Well, I mean, good story, but... I always didn't enjoy that. She was grim. in her, her, her was head, was in her, her hands. head in her hands <laughs> the entire time. It's just terrific. I really, I don't know. The thought of waking like, up and like knowing—that's the day you die. Yeah, and I'm not. I I understand that people wake up and don't know that's the day that they're going to die because die. someone else takes it from them or because of X, Y, and Z. And I'm not saying whatever, but. I don't know, it's just like the depths of, I don't know, just like waking well, just up the and sitting on your of, clothes. Like, it's, and... it's the state that's going to take it from you. Yeah. What the fuck? Mm. 
the state that exists to educate you, keep you healthy, house you, yeah, keep you alive. Yeah. Like, it's completely... Yeah, I think the whole kind of idea of punishment is archaic and it doesn't really take into account capacity for change or circumstance or anything like that. I'm not talking about, like, very, very serious stuff like murder and paedophilia and things like that but I think the whole problem that a lot of well especially America but a lot of places have is that A that a lot of prisons are run for profit and also that a lot of rank profiling happens that means that people get put into Mm. prison when they shouldn't be for things that aren't Mm. particularly severe that people could be rehabilitated for I think even even in extreme circumstances and I'm not dismissing things or saying that they're right but I just think it's I don't think anyone's. I I genu- I don't think anyone's born evil. People act out in ways that they maybe didn't expect, and that's not okay. And people are driven to things because of experiences that they've had, and that's not okay. But to just completely dismiss that and be like, okay, well, we're just going to kill you then. Yeah, you're too far gone. We're that's not, not. We're not fixing you in any way. Mm. We're not going to try, try to fix you in any way. Or to give you the chance, or to I just. It's just so bleak. It feels incredibly bleak. Yeah, I agree. So my friend at work um, joined us from a death penalty charity called Amicus. Ooh. So slight slight plug. Weirdly, a slight plug, I guess. Um, the death penalty is legal in 30 states. <gasps> 30? Shit. And in military and federal courts. Um, 30 so. states? And there's, what, 51? 50? 52? So some of the stats from Amicus's website. A study in California found that those who killed whites were over three times more likely to be sentenced to death than those who killed blacks that's and over a, that's four times fucked. more likely than those who killed Latinos. In 2015, Texas executed 13 inmates over 40% of all the executions that year. I mean, it's... I, I won't go on, but... That's, that's really so yeah yes. amicus is an organization it's a small charity that helps provide representation for those facing the death penalty in the united states and actually it was um from in conversations with um this friend at work who used to work there um who well so i you know i very flippantly when we were talking about domestic violence and cases of like sorry this is so grim but i'm going in but you know like wives being murdered by husbands mm-hmm. or whatever or, mm-hmm. or you know a woman has died I was very flippant and being like, well, it's always the fucking husband, isn't it? Like, it's always, you know, the, the, the stats show that the levels of, or the person that a woman is most likely to be killed by is, like, her spouse or whatever. Yeah. But my friend countered that by saying, like, well, actually, having worked for a death penalty, that's a really fucking dangerous assumption to make because if that is the assumption you make and if that's a conclusion you've drawn in states where there is a death penalty, a person is dead, kind of, you know, that's that's... In, in states or situations where that's the case, that's kind of like a bigger picture thing. But that also takes that's into the kind of the judicial society that they have where mm. it isn't necessarily always innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, they will exactly. take it on really like pro, like shitty actual evidence that doesn't prove that it was him, but they take it on face value. Mm. I think that I think that as a rule, <laughs> the justice that we have in this country as well as the US and other countries is is biased and it isn't, right it needs to effectively be formulaic which it can never be because it's always going to be based on humans but i think it's so fucked and the amount of people that get killed the amount of people that get put in prison for life and also yeah whatever i just think it's it's fucked 
Mm-hmm. That's helpful, isn't it? To say it's fucked and yeah, then just move fucked. on, yeah, carry yeah. on with my life. Yeah, it's really helpful. It just yeah. seems like such an insane dead end. Like that shouldn't be the that shouldn't be the conclusion in anyone's life. Even if you're the worst fucking human being in the world, even if you're like Anders Breivik, that shouldn't be the end of your life. That yeah. shouldn't be like where your life goes to. That is a completely fucking insane conclusion to draw. Yeah, thirty states in the US. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they're all doing it on like a daily no, basis. No, because they're right? not. But, yeah. They're not nearly as much as they used to. Mm. It's really like weird though, because one of my favourite questions to ask at a dinner party or with friends is your death row meal. Mm. Which is strong like, question. Strong cue. It's a, it's a strong we've question. already done, done We've done it. done it with each on other here. before. Have we done it on here? Yeah. But it is like and the but, yeah. but like as a like a, a not it's not a joke, but like as a quip, as a like an interesting insight into people's interests and behaviours and food choices mm-hmm. it's like oh it's interesting blah, blah, blah. but then like, yeah, actually no 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 that person dies that yeah. person dies at the end yeah. of that like if you stop and think about it it's actually That's pretty the thing, fucking though. rank it's like anything you can take it at face oh, value yeah, you and can, just have a joke but... about it but if you step back and think like actually shit all the things that's behind it mm. but that's I think why we go on isn't it that we don't do that about everything because otherwise it'd be like we'd <laughs> oh, never oh, leave shit. the house yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah we'd be at the end of our rope it's incredibly bleak. <laughs> nice analogy. Mm. Squares. Death by hanging. Uh, well, I mean, interesting story. Thank I you. I mean, for yeah, the it was my story. absolutely in my wheelhouse. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of doing that story. But I think, yeah, I yeah, mean, no, big, it's we bigger conversation. conversations. Yeah. yeah. Shall that I was- go? Yeah, so Dallas, why don't you just have a go? Have a go. Why not? Tell us a story. So I did just give you a little caveat that um, this might be a quick one. Because it's slightly scant on the details. Because your poor research—it's only just happened. <gasps> oh. What? What? I take it all back. I was really worried one of you was going to have this. I feel like, I feel like Uh-oh. I saw something. Hang on, I feel like I kicked something out. I think you just pulled it over a bit. Okay, fine. I think I saw something the other day that I thought about doing. Was it approximately eight days ago? <gasps> eight mm. days ago. Mm-hmm. Hashtag hot off the press. Yeah. Anything to do with South Africa? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, fucking sweet. Great. I thought everyone in the entire world knew about this. So. Hairflake. <laughs> so. The listeners, you didn't see that, but she did an epic hair You're flick. both um, vegans or loose vegans. Close enough to being vegans. Mm, I can't, no. I Non-meat can't. Right, eaters. Non-meat eaters, but I can't, yeah, no. You both give a shit about animals. Yes. I uh, know. No. Oh, oh my God, controversial. Well, my stance is I definitely think that humans should eat meat, but we do it too much that it's too available. And so it's more an impact on the environment and industrial farming than I like animals, but I don't think that we shouldn't eat them. But I just think it's too readily available. Sorry, you're listening. Sustainability. No, half of that is me, but I I also think, like, when I look at animals, I'm like, I just don't want to eat them. And to be fair, I couldn't, I don't think I could kill an animal. So if I can't kill one, Probably shouldn't eat one. And I also, yeah, like the reason why I stopped eating meat was because I would look at a chicken or I would see people eating different parts of chickens and I'd only ever eat the breast. And so if you can eat a fucking animal, take every single part mm. of it, which we did used to do, especially in the UK, with like horses made, glue made out of horses and things like that. Yeah, yeah. But we don't do that anymore and it is too readily, readily available. And that's my stance too. I don't know that I would ever eat meat again in my right, in the same frame of mind that I'm in now, but I don't judge people that do. I also, 
literally can't stand the viewpoint that a meal's not a meal without meat on it. So yeah. it's kind of my silent protest of yeah, being I mean, like, fuck shit. off. I yeah, really, yeah, yeah. I hate it so much. So I'm like... It's like, corn is delicious, so just... But even that. without corn. Like, Beans are delicious. They're mm. my, I will eat them all day, every day. There's so much you can do with just vegetables mm. and starchy potatoes mm. and mm. things like that. And, and lentils and beans and things like that. Lentils are my jam. Anyway, this is not a food podcast. <laughs> what were you talking about? <laughs> We've just started a food podcast in the I corner basically over just here. said, you guys like animals, <laughs> don't you? And then you... That's it. We're off. <laughs> Me off and Els. No! No! We fucking my Well... I'm going to tell you a story which will be... I mean, whether you're vegan or vegetarian or whether you're just a nice human that doesn't like poaching... Yeah. Oh! It's this story! This yeah. story! This is amazing! I did see this. This is one I thought yeah, I'd doing. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know it was in South Africa because I just saw the headline. I didn't because know Because this didn't even cross my mind. Literally couldn't be a better headline. And I do want to... I, I want to front load with a caveat that, yes, somebody has died in this... Um, a father has died a father's got kids but ultimately he was a fucking poacher so he was doing a bad thing he was doing a bad thing and we have to find the light in the dark and you've both just talked about fucking radiation poisoning and the death penalty so I'm going to talk about a poacher getting trampled by elephants and eaten by lions (laughs) this is very very of the minute so this literally happened so we're recording on the 9th of April this literally happened on the 1st it was not a I know you said a red nose day. April Fool's Day. Fool's Day. <laughs> but uh, it was not an April Fool. So did you know rhinos? Rhino poaching. Did you know more than a thousand rhinos were killed by poachers each year in South Africa between 2013 and 2017? No, but it makes me feel sick. That is fucking dog shit. That is too many rhinos. Horrendous. What for? For just their, their tusks? Ivory. Yeah. yeah. It's purely, it's as simple as that. What and for? What the fuck are people using ivory for these days? Chess pieces? Well, it's, Swords? It's, it's incredibly complex, actually. Actually. Come on, actually. Tell me. But it's like medicinal as well. It's not just ivory, but there's like a lot of. Oh, I'm saying this as if I've got any kind of knowledge at all, but it's not Daily just poacher. ivory. <laughs> actually, I make a lot of money from the ivory <laughs> trade, okay, guys? If you want the reason to say won it. Um, but yeah, like it's it's not as straightforward as no one wants ivory anymore because there's a lot of undercover demand that we have no we have no real understanding of, and it can be maybe some people's only source of desperate income. Like I don't I don't think poachers are just doing it for the lulls, basically. Like no, this but doesn't is, come from a place of this comes from a place of meeting demand. There is also a big part of poachers that are affluent people that do it because they enjoy it, not because it's a necessity in their in their livelihood and it's the only part of their livelihood. Those pricks that kill the fucking elephants and take pictures of them on their yeah. safari holidays, yes. Yeah. 100%. Which is also probably what we see most yeah, of this in... guy was not that. I think this guy was like a proper undercover, undercover illegal poacher. Oh, fine. So, um, we're going to so the number. So the number of rhinos being poached each year dropped to seven hundred sixty nine in twenty eighteen, with poachers targeting the animal for its horn. This is according to the charity Save the Rhino. So Kruger National Park in South Africa. Rhinos don't have tusks, do they? Just have one no, big horn. No, one big horn. Sorry, what, like, I'm not very really knowledgeable. Like a, do they have but... like a little one and then a really long one? But I, I was thinking about like, you know, elephants and woolly mammoths and stuff. But it's, it's all ivory. 
It's all the same. Yeah, yeah, but like as a as an animal, they don't have tusks that I was thinking of. Is it all ivory? It must be. Or is ivory only elephants? I wonder if it's one of those things where the terminology. I mean, you're asking the wrong person, Dolly. Okay, sure. what's it even made of? I mean, it's the same thing. Tusks and... Anyway. Someone let us know, because we don't know. <laughs> right in. Either way, rhinos are getting poached. <laughs> that's all we that's need to what, know. That's the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, to this day. So Kruger National Park in South Africa has the largest concentration of rhinos on the planet. It has been a target for poachers for decades. In 2015... More than 70% of all rhinos known to be poached in South Africa were poached in this particular park. Mad. It is a hotspot for rhino poaching, including up to 1st of April 2019. When this happened. No. Nope. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, Monday the 1st of April 2019... A rhino poacher is believed to have been attacked by an elephant and then eaten by lions. Christ. Circle of life. The circle of life. He got he got properly fucking lion killed. <laughs> he did, yeah. So local police brigadier Leonard Lathy said police received information that a group of men had gone into the park in order to hunt rhino when suddenly an elephant attacked and killed one of them. And so when you... Guys, I don't know if any of you have been into a national park in Africa. But, no. But I have hair swish. And Fine. you don't get out of your vehicle because there's wildlife everywhere. Sure. The Good. whole fucking point of you being in the national park is Good that there rule. is yeah. wildlife everywhere, including elephants that can do some serious fucking damage. So poachers, presumably, whenever they go there anyway, are taking their lives into their own hands because they're just like stalking around national parks without being in vehicles so they had received information that a group of men had gone in and one of them was attacked and trampled by an elephant presumably fairly aggressively like if an elephant feels attacked it's gonna come at you so his accomplices claimed to have carried his body to the road Oh, this is sorry. This is quite grim. Claimed to have carried his body to the road so that passers-by could find it in the morning, and then his accomplices did one basically, oh, just like vanished because they were they knew they were in trouble for being in the park for poaching. Um, the police brigadier says the group of men left the park and informed a family member of the deceased what had happened. That family member then contacted the police. Uh, who sent out park rangers. And obviously these national parks are hundreds of square miles. They are absolutely huge. So it took a while to find him. Park rangers began a search for the man on foot and by air, but could not locate the man at first due to failing light. Rangers and police returned on the 4th of April and were able to find the man's remains in the in a particular section of the park. It's called the Crocodile Bridge. Crocodiles don't come into this. This okay. is a section of the park. So this is a quote um, from the general manager, the comms manager of the National Park. Indications found at the scene suggest that a pride of lions... I'll say this again. Indications found at the scene suggested that a pride of lions had devoured the remains 
leaving only a human skull and a pair of pants. Oh, God. And that's pants as in trousers. Just to... Oh, right. oh sure. sure, sure, sure. For our American friends. For our American friends. Um, three men aged between 26 and 35 were arrested. Um, the police said in a statement, the suspects appeared in court on the 5th of April, four days ago, charged with possession of firearms and ammunition without a licence, conspiracy to poach as well as trespassing. An inquest has also been opened into the cause of the man's death. The managing executive of Kruger National Park said, entering Kruger National Park illegally and on foot is not wise. It holds many dangers and this incident is evidence of that. It's very sad to see the daughters of the deceased mourning the loss of their father and worse still, only being able to recover very little of his, of his remains. So, as I said, big caveat at the top, this yeah. is still a person. We don't mm-hmm. know his we don't know his reasons behind needing to poach. But ultimately, he fucked with wildlife and wildlife evidently fought back. Fought back. Mm. Yeah. Um, and this story erupted on the internet because everyone was like, Way, fucking good, yeah. <laughs> basically. Poacher trampled by an elephant and devoured by lions. Was he... So he was He was killed by the elephant? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, according to the people that were with him at the time. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, you know, really fucking shouldn't have been poaching, mate. Really, mm. really shouldn't. But mm. also, he's not the only one. No. Um, and it's probably, you know, the internet had a huge amount of joy over this, which is not super sensitive, but we're, um, we're, I'm putting it in this podcast anyway, because what a fucking way to go. Yeah, what a way to go. The embodiment of the podcast theme. Yeah, it's just crazy though, isn't it? Because it is like everything that we speak about on this podcast in general is nuanced and there's always going to be different versions that are pertinent to what makes it important Mm -hmm. and the internet did rejoice about that story because it was oh this but it it isn't the rhetoric of oh you know wealthy white person from america no exactly gets flown over private jet to then kill lame like sleeping lions lame elephants that kind of thing Not that I'm saying that any poaching is fine, but But someone's someone's livelihood was probably resting on this. I don't think I mean poach I mean I don't fucking know. Like I I need to read up on poaching generally, but one would assume that poaching is a lucrative job for someone and Mm. if you if that is how you get your income. Yeah, then it's what you do. I suppose if it's lucrative and that's the reason why you do it rather than it being a last resort, Mm. that's also an argument to you're a bad person for doing it if you just want (laughs) a payday once every six months because it's like twenty five grand. Yeah. Then you're not in the you're not doing it for the right reasons either. I'll check if it's ivory. It might not. I wonder if ivory is only elephants and rhino horn is something else. It's not ivory, but still, who's poaching? Yeah, I mean, he shouldn't End have of. done that. And I'm sorry that you had such a terrible fate. But I'm kind of proud of the elephant. Yeah, don't I mean, try and kill an elephant. Well, don't fucking elephant. get out of your car. When I was in Savo National Park in Kenya, mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. I had dropped. No big deal. I thought I had dropped my phone clean out of the vehicle. vehicle. And I was like, well, that's gone forever. I'm not getting out of the car to get my phone. So goodbye phone. Mm-hmm. It was fine. It was just wedged sort of between the seat and the door. <laughs> and that was the most exciting thing that happened to me that day. Mm. Did you see any guys? I saw so many guys, mate. I saw like fucking 200 elephants. Mm. Too many. 
Really? It verged on too many. <laughs> Actually, get rid of Boring. some of them. Boring! I've that. seen too many! Too many elephants. Get off! Take them back! Anyway. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Should we lighten the mood with some girl crushes? That noise was Sarah's sleep. Sleep? Oh, fucking hell. That noise was Sarah's cheek getting slapped. By myself, to be mm, fair. By you. That's mm-hmm. fine. Else, why don't you tell us about Who your girl do you love? crush I of the week? Sure. Oh, what song is that? Who do you love? Ah, uh, it's "Lounging" by LL Cool J. Ah, mm. big tune. Um, I'm from the nineties. Mm. We all are. Well, you really are. Um, I'm gonna go with Julia Davis. Yes, I've been. Um, watching quite a lot of her stuff because it's all on sky one so i watched camping which is quite funny and i watched sally forever which is really funny i need to watch that yeah i really need to watch it i saw a lot of adverts about that last year and i really want to get on top of that it is good obviously it's quite dark because it's julia davis it's not also sexy um sexy time sexy I heard there was some sexy time in it. Well, I mean, the adverts portray there this is, sexy time. There sexy is, but not... Uh, does, does it depend on your definition of sexy? I think it's just meant to be... Holding hands. It's meant to be a bit tongue-in-cheek, I think. Oh, okay. or, well, that's sexy. Yeah. <laughs> to daily it is, yeah. Yeah, it's not that sexy. Daily thrives on innuendos, <laughs> just in conversation. It's, it's how I propel myself through life. Yeah, no, I don't know. Depends what you're thinking of, but I would say zero on the sexy got it not the most sexy and then i've been listening to (laughs) (laughs) dear joan and jerrica which is so dark but very funny i just started listening to it on my train journey in and i listened to two and i was laughing to myself as i was walking from the station to here which is about 20 minute walk it's one of the funniest things i've ever listened to i've listened to it all through twice yeah, it's super funny. I've never heard of it. It's like they play like, uh, so it's Julie Davis and also Vicky Pepperdine, who is very funny in that. And she's also in Sally Forever, where she plays like a relationship therapist of like a huge nose piercing. I mean, I've had nose piercing, as have you. And yeah, have yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So it's not about the nose piercing. It's just about <laughs> the way that she plays it. It's super funny. And she's in um she's in camping as well where she plays like oh, she's just very good. Um so they play Agony Aunts, but their responses to things are not <laughs> you it's, 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 They're like ultra conservative church going. It's astonishing. They're like it's like a it's a radio for Agony Aunt show. It's a Radio 4 style Agony Art show. Yeah. Well, maybe not even... Is it like LBC? <laughs> I, don't uh, know. I don't know what channel they're know. taking off. But It's like Loose Women, it maybe. Is, it is phenomenal. You must listen to it. Okay. it. It is literally the funniest thing I've listened to in a long time. We were talking about... Um, one of the letters was about how a woman was uh, 50 with a nine-year-old child uh, who the other mums didn't talk to her. And they're just like, I am just fuming at you for having your child so late. Why did you leave it so late? Why did you leave it so late? It's fucking brilliant. My friend, uh, friend of the podcast, Ellie, 
Um, hi Ellie. Hi. hi. Hi Els. Who just got engaged? I'm going to say because she's put it on Instagram. Congratulations Els. Congrats Ellie and Kevin. Congrats. Um, but Congrats, Ellie and I guys. have uh, pledged for one evening just the two of us to only talk in Joan and Jericho voices. Uh, Joan and Jericho voices. That's amazing. That's incredible. Can you film it for... It won't be good. <laughs> I mean, some of That's it will point. be funny. We'll do like 20 seconds, sure. Get drunk. And Get it on the gram. Us. Yeah. Good, good girl crush. Thanks nice. very much. I haven't listened or watched any of those things that you mentioned, so. Simon. You've educated me. My girl crush is Ortega Uwagba, mm. who is a, I mean, she's multifaceted. I first discovered her when um, my friend Layla, Layla D'Angelo, who listens Hi, to this podcast. Hi. Layla's the Layla with the cats. The Sphinx guys, mm. the skinny naked guys. Uh, anyway, it's very beautiful, Layla. No, Nespa? Layla is very yeah. beautiful. Well, and, and the cats, sure. And the cats <laughs> the are cats. very beautiful too. Yeah, all of them, all three of them are very beautiful. Um, she got given a book called Women Who, and it's a kind of like working woman's book about business and things like that, all about kind of the modern tribulations of working. And I got that, and then started following Atega on Twitter, on Instagram. I also follow Women Who on Instagram and I also get her newsletters. And I just think she's like a really refreshing um, voice in the conversation about, I mean, not necessarily freelancers, although she is a freelancer, but just working women mm. and, you know, the idea of working from home, flexi working, things like that. Um, and she also talks about current affairs and things that are happening and she's quite outspoken, which I, I mean... I'm outspoken if you didn't know this about me. So I respect that in other people. So I really like following her. And also she's writing a book about money, which I think is going to be really, really good. It's a longer form book than her current one. She had a recent article about how as a woman you should ask for a pay rise and how it shouldn't be seen as like a dirty thing to do, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and she's just very, very down to earth about the kind of the nuances of being a woman in a in a working world. Um, and her new book is coming out, I think, this year. Don't quote me on that. It might be next year. But um, I think it'll be a really good read and really fascinating as someone that is also in her kind of style. She's a, she, she's a journalist slash writer. Obviously, I'm not that, but she is a freelancer too. So I just think she's cool and I like what she posts about. And I really like her newsletters. Like she's, I, I subscribe to a lot of newsletters, like working women newsletters, thinking that I want to expand my brain every morning, every time someone updates one. And she's one of maybe five that I actively read every mm, week. That is, and I think that's a really that's good sign. That's a true sign of yeah. like writing good shit if you can, yeah. Cause she's always can got sift a, through all of the yeah, she's turds. I've got stuff that is relevant to her and what she does, but then she also links out to other articles that she finds really interesting. And I think that if I respect someone, I respect what they're reading and they're recommending. So I always find the kind of juxtaposition of those two things really interesting. And I read the I read the newsletter as soon as it drops in my inbox, which I think is a really good sign. So I take it you add praise. It's banging. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Mm. Um, mine this week, for almost no reason whatsoever, just because I have loved her with an energy that makes my mind and body hum for like five years at least. Is oh, it's at, one of us. Yeah, it's um, both of you guys. Oh, yeah. Um, it's Ali Wong, oh. who is a comedian. I don't know if you... Do you know her? I think I do know her. So she is probably most iconic. She's a stand-up, and she's probably most iconic for having done two shows very heavily pregnant. I think you would know her if you saw her. She's like Asian American, has really big, kind of almost horn-rimmed glasses, and she's done two stand-up specials very heavily pregnant. 
and she's fucking hilarious. So, 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 so funny. Um, so sharp. She's touring at the minute with a new show, but it's not coming anywhere near the UK, unfortunately. Um, but she's got, yeah, she's just, she's hilarious anyway. Everyone go listen to Ellie Wong. But um, yeah, her last show was called like Hard Knock Wife, which I quite <laughs> enjoyed. And she did her first show that I can't remember the name of. But basically, she's like eight months pregnant. She is very, very pregnant. And she's wearing this like little dress. And she effectively does the entire show without even acknowledging that she's pregnant. And then just really? at the end, she's like, oh, I don't know what kind of mother I'm going to be. <laughs> like, I just, I found it really, yeah, I, I think she's fucking brilliant. She's just been a perpetual um, figure of adoration for me. So I thought she would be mine this week. Very nice. Ali right? Wong, check her out. She's funny as fuck. Funny and as very fuck. cool. Very cool. Good. Good. All of that's good. Cool. So that probably wraps us up on episode 31. Mm-hmm. Thanks for being here. Being Thanks part for of our being journey. here. Vote for us in the podcast awards, as we mentioned at the start of the programme. We love you. We appreciate you. We're so glad you're part of this journey with us. <clears throat> and uh, we'll see you in episode 32. Bye. That's bye. it, isn't it? Yeah. See ya. Yeah, bye. Bye. Bye.